Hi, and welcome to Awake, a Sleeping Beauty audiobook podcast based on the YA fantasy novel of the same name, Awake by Holly Gary. Thanks for joining us. Let's get into the story. Chapter 11 I understood why Andre had said Leonis was hard to find. 6B was behind plain old number 6, through a public door and a courtyard. They were two separate buildings, and B wasn't visible from the street. Andre led us up to the door and rang one of the doorbells. A lady's voice came through the intercom. Hello? Hello, it's Andre Poe from next door. I've brought Madame de Croix's niece and nephews over to visit Madame Van Alst. Oh, she'll be so pleased. The door opened for us. We went up two flights of stairs to where a young lady waited for us on the landing. We all exchanged kisses. Andre, she said. So good to see you. You as well, René. I'm afraid I can't stay, he said, looking sheepish. But here are Rémy and Célestine Chabot and Amédée de Tremoye. What elegant names, she said, smiling at all of us. My aunt is a great friend of your aunt. Do come in. We walked into an apartment that looked like it had fallen straight out of the Belle Époque, with its molded ceiling and gilded wallpaper and crystal-hung lamps. There was even a stained-glass window depicting an angel, maybe, in classic Art Nouveau style. In a little parlor that looked out over the courtyard was an elderly lady dressed like Queen Victoria in her mourning clothes. Time had clearly left her and her home mostly untouched. René introduced us all and asked us to sit down. This is Yolande's niece and nephews, she added. Oh, Yolande, I adore her. Leone looked us over with clear, pale blue eyes, rimmed with fine wrinkles. René, get us all some tea, won't you? For the next few minutes, Leone asked us about a dozen questions. How old we were, if we were in school, where we lived. Oh yes, Bretagne. I remember Yolande mentioning her sister in Bretagne. They both grew up in Saint-Malo, I added. Oh yes, indeed, of course. I forget, Yolande doesn't have the accent. No, I agreed. My aunt was too thoroughly cosmopolitan to sound like she came from Saint-Malo. René brought us the tea. We sipped slowly. It was boiling. I racked my brain for a way to bring up the sleeper. Then Leone said to Amédée, Now, if the other two are Veronique's children, how are you related to the family? Oh, I'm not actually, said Amédée. I'm a family friend. He's going to marry my sister, said Rémy, shooting me a glance that said he was trying to irk me. This sister? Leone exclaimed. But where is the ring? And then she asked us another dozen questions about our wedding, which we mostly lied about, and I felt a little guilty. But Amede coaxed her away from the subject, asking the question we really wanted to ask in nearly the same way I'd asked Aunt Yolande. There is a particular legend in my family about a former Prince de Tremoye who slept for a hundred years after being cursed by a fairy. He forced a laugh. Quite fantastical, of course. 
I've never quite believed it. He was a remarkable liar, really. But Madame de Croix mentioned that you'd told her a similar story from Lille. Leonie's eyes lit up. Oh, indeed. So many very strange stories in Flanders. Yes, it must have been fifty years ago or more I saw the body of a young man whose family claimed he'd been asleep for a century. Alive, but unconscious. And they said he hadn't aged at all in that time. How extraordinary, I said, because it seemed like the thing to say. It was, though I'm not sure I really believed it. Leonie shrugged. It's easy enough to show off someone who's asleep and say that he has always been. I suppose so, I agreed. You said he was a young man? Amede prompted. Yes, indeed, a young black man dressed in empire style. Amede poked me lightly. Not more than twenty years old, Leone added. Perfect, unlined skin. He looked quite peaceful, as I recall. Maybe if you sleep long enough, you stop having nightmares, Chemi joked. Leone laughed much harder than the joke merited. I wonder if he's still there, I said. Do you remember where you saw him? Perhaps he's still sleeping in the same bed. I tried to sound like I was joking, too. Leone waved a hand. Oh, no, dear, I couldn't say where it was. It was so long ago. All three of us deflated. Rene said, Auntie, perhaps they'd like to hear the story about the fortune teller we met in Calais? And so Leone launched into that story. It seemed clear that we weren't going to learn any more from her. We had exhausted our one lead. We sat and drank our tea, ate some cakes she offered us, listened to a couple more stories, and then politely tried to excuse ourselves. Do come back, said Leone, gaily. It's nice to have young people around, isn't it, René? René, who wasn't a day over thirty, just smiled and showed us to the door. None of us spoke until we were out of Leone's building and walking across the courtyard. That didn't help at all said Rémy. Amédée looked a little hopeful, nonetheless. She confirmed that the man was black, and she said, Empire style, does that mean... He faltered a bit. What does that mean? I suppose she means the first empire. The first? Which began in 1804, so that's nearly perfect. Amédée dropped all his questions and smiled. That's very encouraging. But we still have to find him, I said. Let's go to the library. We discovered that the nearest public library to my aunt's house was on an island in the Dule Canal called Bois Blanc, the White Woods. The name gave me a little hope. It sounded like a magical, fairy-touched place. In fact, it was a mostly working-class neighborhood, neither magical nor sinister. The library, too, was small and ordinary, and I wondered if we ought to go looking for a larger branch. Inside, behind the circulation desk, were two librarians, an old woman and a young woman. The old woman was occupied with helping someone. The young woman smiled at us, giving my brother and Amede an appreciative look. I nudged Rémy and whispered, You take the lead. He elbowed me back, harder. Why me? She thinks you two are cute. Let Amede do it, then. He did. He clearly wasn't the bold type, but in service of his greatest desire, 
he was willing to fake it. He approached the young woman with false confidence and his dazzling, fairy-given smile. Hello, he said. We're visitors to Leo, and we'd like to learn a bit more about the city. We wondered if you might have any books on local folklore and legends. She was properly taken with him, starry-eyed and beaming. I supposed that he always stood apart from other people, with his otherworldly beauty and aristocratic manners. No wonder Auguste had fallen in love with him. Maybe I would have too, if I hadn't fallen for someone else's otherworldliness first. The young librarian said, We certainly have books on local history, but let's see if there's anything else. She led us over to non-fiction, which struck me as a hilarious place for us to be. Yes, let's look for fairy curses in non-fiction. She handed Amédée a couple of books on the history of Lille and French Flanders. She skimmed a section nearby, with cultural books, and gave us one on Belgian folklore. That seems to be about all we have, she said. Will these do? We'll take a look at them, said Amédée, with another gorgeous smile. The librarian halfway stuttered as she said, directly to him, Let, let me know if you need anything, anything else. I'll just be at the desk. What I wondered, really, was how Auguste had ever managed to break away from the spell Amédée seemed to cast on everyone who wasn't me. We each took a book to look through. Rémy thumbed through his, not even reading, and said, This is going to be useless. Try anyway. I snapped. He glared at me. I had the book on Belgian folklore, easily the most interesting of the three, and a lot of stories in it caught my eye. But there was nothing in it about any sleeper. I did see Leone's Belsala story, the city that sank into the ground. I showed it to the boys, but they weren't particularly impressed. It wasn't useful to us, nor was anything in either of the history books. I was at a loss. What now? Amede went to confer with the librarian again. He came back with a little card on which she'd written the address of another, bigger library, as well as her name and phone number. Just in case we need any more help, Amede said, and I laughed at his naivete. This is in the old town, he told us, north of the city center. She told me how to take the bus to get there. He paused. I don't know what a bus is. A really big car, said Rémy, and someone else drives it. We walked to the next street over, where she told him to look for a bus stop. We rode maybe a half a dozen stops and alighted on Rue Comtesse, in the oldest part of Lille. We had to walk a couple more blocks to the library, and when we found it, it didn't really look any bigger, just a lot older. We went inside, and Amede tried the same question with a librarian who was much less interested in helping us, but still directed us to a section with books of fairy tales, folklore, and the like. We stood in the aisle, picking up books with interesting titles, flipping through them, putting them back. The more I tried, the more defeated I felt. Surely this was a dead end? My feet were tired from walking, and I wanted to go home. Finally, Rémy found something slightly interesting. It was in a book about different types of fairy tales, plots, settings, and character archetypes. One of the character types listed was The Sleeper. We all gathered around to read the description. The Sleeper is a character who has been put into a magically induced slumber or coma. 
The length of this slumber can be as little as a day or as long as several centuries. The reasons for it vary. It can be a curse or a punishment. In the Arthurian legend Persforest, the beautiful Zeladine is cursed by a jealous goddess. Alternately, sleeping can sometimes protect the sleeper in some way. Often the character can only be woken when another magical act occurs, such as true love's kiss or by the removal of an offending object. In the Grimm Brothers' Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the title character is woken when someone dislodges a poisoned apple from her throat. In Perse Forest, Zeladin is awoken when the splinter that put her to sleep is removed from her finger. In other cases, the sleeper eventually wakes on their own. This is the case in the American short story Rip Van Winkle from Washington Irving's Sketchbook. Often upon waking, the sleeper experiences some sort of disorientation, such as confusion about finding themselves in a new temporal era. For example, Rip Van Winkle has slept through the American Revolution and doesn't realize he is no longer a British citizen. That doesn't tell us anything we didn't already know said Rémy, sourly. Yes, it does, said Amédé. To my surprise, he sounded a bit hopeful. It tells us that there have been others like me. There must have been. Why would this happen in so many stories without any real-life inspiration? We both mumbled our agreement. He sounded so happy about it that I didn't want to argue the point, even though I failed to see how it helped us. We gave up on this section of the library browsing the history section for a minute and seeing the same book about Lille that we'd already looked at. Amede dragged us into fiction so he could look for Washington Irving's sketchbook. He found a copy translated into French and went to the trouble of getting a library card just so we could take it with him. After that, we wandered lazily through the old town. I was still feeling glum, despite Amede's sudden good mood, because we hadn't made any progress. But meandering through old Lille cheered me. It reminded me that I was in a place that was entirely new to me. The Dutch influence was obvious here in every stepped, gabled roof. The buildings were more colorful here than in Bretagne. So much red and yellow. Rémy cheered up, too, because he found an ice cream shop. We each got a cone. Quite a relief as the day was growing hotter. We kept walking. Across from the shop was a half-built cathedral, we wandered inside, and no one stopped us. There was some lovely stained glass, but the various parts of the church didn't seem to match each other, and the ceiling of the nave and transepts looked decidedly insubstantial. Rémy looked around and said, Do you think they're building this to replace a church that was destroyed in the wars? And Amédé said, Wars? Plural? Their voices echoed through the empty sanctuary. It occurred to me that I really hadn't seen much evidence of destruction in Lille, as if the Second World War had mostly passed them by. My aunt explained to us later that most of the damage had been to outlying industrial areas. A few streets away from the incomplete church, we found a quaint little square with a few benches, and we sat there for a bit to cool down. The buildings here looked like they could have fallen straight out of Amsterdam, with their brick facades and pointed roofs. Rémy laughed when he saw the street sign. Place aux Oignons? 
Onion Square? What a name. As we sat there, my mood dipped again. I'd caught myself fantasizing that Hyacinth was there, that I'd turned to him and made some joke about onions, that he'd smiled and called me clever, that he'd commented on the city, telling me how he'd been here before, in the 16th century, when it was still part of the Spanish Netherlands, or something like that. Anything at all. I just missed talking to him. Eventually, we realized that we had no idea how to get back to Aunt Yolande's house. We had a little trouble finding it on the map. Rémy, now in the mood to talk, stopped a passerby and asked how to get to the Jardin Vauban. She looked over our map and pointed out a route, west to the river canal, then south. We managed to not get lost, and we're back at the apartment in 20 minutes. Thank you for listening to Chapter 11 of Awake by Holly Gary. If you're enjoying yourself, feel free to leave us a review and share us with other book lovers. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AwakeThePodcast. And you can follow Holly, the author, on Twitter at HollyGary7 and on TikTok at HollyAnnWriter. That's Anne spelled with an E. You can look forward to Chapter 12 coming out next week. In Chapter 12, the gang goes to a party. And Rémy makes a new friend and gets a lead. Until then, happy reading, and we hope your week is fantastical.